Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Ched. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoff with you. Two quick pieces of business. Uh, Anks has texted the show. Hey, Bob, you guys forgot to congratulate the Midget AAA St. Albert Slash Ladies. They completed the three-peat at the SO Cup in Sudbury this weekend. Thank you very much, Anks, and congratulations to the St. Albert Slash. And uh, Oilers prospect Dmitry Samarukov has been named the OHL Player of the Week which means both Evan Bouchard and Sam Rukoff have now been named Players of the Week during the course of the playoffs. By the way, Bowen Byram uh, currently leads the Western Hockey League in playoff scoring. I think Chicago's salivating at uh, jumping aboard and grabbing him at number three. Uh, speaking of the NHL draft, it'll be on NHL Hockey and Rogers and Sportsnet, but they've got lots of coverage between now and then. And every Monday on this show, we bring aboard uh, Sportsnet analyst John Shannon. Hello, John. How are you? Hey, Bob. How are you? Not bad. I'm getting bombarded with texts about the Edmonton Oilers general manager situation, and there's been a couple names thrown out over the course of the weekend, uh, including Sean Burke and Ken Holland. I know that Elliot has, on Saturday night, I'm pretty sure he mentioned Ken, as well as obviously Kelly McCrimmon and Mark Hunter. Uh, What are you hearing on your front with all of this? Well, I mean, Elliot's pretty connected. what I would say is that uh, the, the key thing in all of this is timeline. There are a ton of timelines involved. First of all, um, you know, Vegas wasn't eliminated from the playoffs till last Tuesday. Uh, the Vegas organization is not very happy with the National Hockey League and everybody in it at this point based on that uh, Cody Eakin call in Game 7. Uh, I would suggest that uh, their level of cooperation at this point uh, might be a little less than uh, anticipated, but it's just going to take some time to heal that wound. So I I think we have to be patient there. The timeline of everybody being at the under-18s that just ended in Sweden. Uh, and, And quite frankly, it's not a timeline for you. It's not a timeline for me or a timeline for the fans. It's a timeline to get it right. And I think that's what that's what Bob Nicholson's trying to do right now is get as much information and talk to as many people as he could uh, and then whittle it down to uh, that short list and then go from there and, and, and get it right rather than rush through it. So, again, it's not a timeline for you or me. It's a timeline to get it right. So would it be premature to suggest that the orders are down to a finalist at this stage? I think it would be premature to create any list uh, because we're still not sure within the politics of the NHL of whether there's been permission granted from clubs yet. Uh, and so, so from that perspective, I, I think you have to wait and see. And I, and I, you know, I think that that's 
part of the process that Bob probably has to go through now and, and understand. I mean, let's face it, they, the Oilers had to go through it for the Los Angeles Kings to officially talk to Todd McClellan. They had to gain permission from the Oilers and negotiate portion of the buyout or the buyout of, of McClellan's contract. So this is something that takes time. It's not something you pick the phone up and you agree on the phone. It has to be in writing. It has to be submitted to the NHL. Uh, it, it's a little more detailed than I think the, the most of us expect and anticipate. So from a list perspective, are we talking more than five people, less than five individuals? I don't, well, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, like I'm not, I'm not privy to a list of five. Okay. I, uh, you know, so, I mean, I, I would, I still think that Elliot's list is probably the most accurate. Um, when you think of of the three guys, McCrimmon, Hunter, Holland, but you know, Holland's under contract. Holland's just signed a new contract. Uh, and uh, there's no way to ascertain interest at this point if permission hasn't been granted. Yeah. Interesting. How much of a factor does Seattle play into things, do you think? Because two of the None. three... All right. None. Two of the three names that have been, you know, that Elliot put out Saturday night, two of those three names have been linked to Seattle as well. Sure. You know, I mean, but I, I don't think any because, I mean, there's... I mean, as of, what's the day, the 29th of April of 2019, there's no job in Seattle yet. Mm -hmm. There is a job in Edmonton. There's no job in Seattle yet. And we're still not sure if and when that position becomes open. Is it this summer? Is it September? Is it just before the season starts? I mean, we've heard different different dates for when, when Seattle's going to hire a manager. You know, I mean, we've already, you know, the, 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 the curveballs that Seattle create is we've already seen it uh, and extended in the uh, in the date that the arena will but now be finished. Uh, it's now into the summertime of 2021, um, and that's not anticipating that, that that's not suggesting that uh, October of 21 is delayed. But you know what? Construction sites take time, so who knows when the official time for for everything to start coming to fruition in Seattle. It's still a very small organization uh, at this point. And by the way, you know, I, I, I don't want Oilers fans to think that nothing's happening um, on a day-to-day -day basis. Keith Gretzky is the interim general manager. He's in Bakersfield right now with Jay and the team. Uh, and Ken Hitchcock is still the uh, interim coach at this point and available if and when the organization needs to talk about coaching issues. What would you say to the fans that would say they got to get going here? Well, my answer is, is that uh, there are people in place. I think Keith, Keith Gretzky um, has, uh, has managed a very difficult situation very well in the last four months, uh, from trade deadline to scouting meetings. Uh, to managing the American League Club with Craig McTavish. I, uh, you know, Bob, I, I don't know if you remember it, but Bob Nicholson said that there was there wasn't even a chance that there may not be a general manager in place for the draft. And yes, he did say that. You no, know, this is a long, this is a long-term remedy. This is not something you do in the short term and then on the on the 22nd of June and day two of the draft say, "Oops, we made a mistake." 
This is something you have to get right. And I think that Nicholson understands that better than anybody else. He has, if he has, if he does anything right, right now, it's to find the perfect person to be general manager of the Edmonton Oilers, and he can't rush into it. We're joined right now by John Shannon from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Bob Stauffer with you, of course, John. Brought back on April 24th, 2015. Peter Shirelli hired as GM. Three weeks later, Tom McClellan as head coach. I think the fans thought those were the right decisions at that time. Bottom line is, it's not right until you're winning games. And that ultimately is what every fan's looking for. Um, yeah. You know, that's... Hey, wait, you, know, you mentioned Samarakov in, in Guelph. Yeah. And Evan Bouchard in... Uh, now in, now in Bakersfield, yeah. but was in London. I mean, these are two really bright prospects. Two really bright prospects for the Edmonton Oilers that in the long term, maybe not next year, certainly not next year, I think, for one of them, uh, in the long term might, might provide a little bit of relief on that blue line. Both of them have been spectacular uh, for their respective clubs. Uh, this spring. I, I'm going to tell you right now, I think that regardless of who the manager is, I believe that Caleb Jones and William Lagasin are going to be on the hockey team next season. I believe I believe those two, they, they're going to have to change the dynamic a bit to what they've got on the back end. Time will tell, and again, it might be the influence of who the new GM is. I mean, that, that individual is going to have a say as well. John, you mentioned something about Vegas. They're not very happy with the league, and you know, here's the thing. When when your team misses the playoffs two years in a row, it, it looks trite when you complain about bad calls. However, as a guy who's got no uh, skin in the game, watching what happened to Vegas, I mean, and if you've, you've got individuals out there, and sometimes there are people that have been in those roles, like a referee or a linesman, oh, you never dictate the outcome of a game. Don't kid yourself. When the league doesn't allow that refereeing tandem to move on in the playoffs, they know there was a mistake made. How hot is the Vegas organization after what happened? I mean, basically a made-up major penalty call in uh, game number seven of that series. Well, made-up is a hard word, Bob. Um, uh, How, about know, a a no, How about a yeah, blown call? How about a blown call? Yeah, call, but it wasn't made up. I mean, somebody, somebody on the ice, I, I would suggest a linesman, probably conferred with the referee who was blocked and, and thought thought he saw something and, and you know the support system suggested the referee call the major and with, with the blood on the ice you, you know I mean it was circumstantial evidence but that's what Dan O'Halloran had kind of forced him into a corner. Uh, the one thing I would say is I think George McPhee and Gerard Gallant have handled this really well uh, I, I think that their press conferences after the game and then their uh, end of uh, year uh, presser, both of them were tremendously gentlemanly about it. I wouldn't put the same context when it comes to the owner, Bill Foley. I think he's been burning the wires to the New York office a great deal and complaining a great deal and demanding reparations and somehow, some way, and, and you know, this has got to be fixed. Um, I guess for Mr. Foley, my, my answer is welcome to the National Hockey League. You, you, you know, your, your perfect ride for, from the day you got your team finally had a little bit of a, a bump in the road with the call. Um, so from that perspective, I think that it's the owner that's mad and the other guys who are lifers understand it. We're joined by John. And it's, it's worth, and it's worth. Hey, by the way, it's probably worth two point five to three million dollars per game yeah. at home, and 
and Vegas was, you know, you know, in theory, lost a minimum of two more games at home with the call. Yes. So therefore, it probably it could be upwards of six to seven million dollars in the end that cost Mr. Foley's bottom line. All right, John. Let's switch focus. Toronto. What's going on there with Mike Babcock and the players? Well, I mean, I I, I think that I, I think there's a disconnect. Um, you know, I think that uh, Mike's ability to manage during games is now being questioned. Uh, I think the lack of endorsement from Kyle Dubas at his closing press conference would suggest that. Uh, uh, they're going to have to think long and hard about Mike Babcock's future in Toronto, and we're going to go from there. Is this a sign of how much the game has changed? I mean, here you have a top. Well, first of all, it has changed because you have a coach making over six million bucks. But it shows you the power that players have, and especially the power of young players. Well, the pendulum has certainly swung, uh, and it always seems to swing. And right now, it's swinging. Uh, and I know that people in the Players Association and certain agents wouldn't agree with me, but it's swung in favor of those young guys coming out of their entry-level deals that are going to sign, you know, $50, $60 million contracts. Um, and, you know, they, there's a, there has to be a way to keep millennials appeased through the process. The, the bottom line, Bob, is, and, and you have kids and I have kids, is that uh, I certainly don't speak to my children the same way my parents spoke to me. <laughs> and, and you know, I mean, uh, I mean, the first thing when my dad got mad, the first thing I had to do was go out and pick the switch. Um, so it, it, I, I don't, trust me, I don't tell my daughter or son to go pick the switch. Um, so from that perspective, uh, I think learning how to deal with millennials and young people and explain to them not just what to do, but why to do it, uh, and to create an environment where it almost looks like the player's idea is a huge challenge for people. Yeah. A huge challenge, and it's obviously a challenge for Mike Babcock. Yeah, no question about that. What did you think of the Todd McClellan going to Los Angeles with Rob Blake? No surprise. Uh, in fact, uh, I think about uh, 10 days after Todd was dismissed in Edmonton on Hockey Central at, uh, at 6.30, uh, I said that I wouldn't be surprised if Todd McClellan is the coach in Los Angeles next year. Uh, there has been a very, very positive relationship between Rob and Todd since Rob's days in San Jose. Uh, and uh, I think that uh, it, it, comes, it, it comes to a level of trust. And when I say trust, it's both ways. Rob right. trusts Todd, and Todd trusts Rob. And I think that's really important. I think, you know, the difference between the money in Buffalo and the money in Los Angeles, I wouldn't be surprised if there was more money available in Buffalo, but it goes to a level of trust in organizations, and Todd trusts Rob implicitly. So you believe fully that Buffalo is prepared to give him the job because they, they're the ones that put out that Todd McClellan wouldn't be their coach? Uh, well, I don't. I don't think they actually said those direct words. I think that they were. They said that they were talking to him. But what I would say is that Mr. Pagula and his and his uh, his wife, Ter uh, Kim and, and Terry Pagula, 
um, are they have a different philosophy of how to spend money in Buffalo than most teams that worry about bottom line. Yes. Philip Anschutz is a very rich man in Los Angeles, but he watches every dollar. Yes, he does. Terry Pagula, if he wants to spend money in his hockey team, he'll just drink another, uh, dig another well. That's all he keeps saying. Also a huge benefactor of Penn State, which is where Guy Gadelsky's the head coach. Um, speaking of Buffalo, who's going to end up being the head coach there, John? Well, the list is interesting. Um, you know, I add the name Todd Richards to the list. I was told that this morning. Jacques Martin has been in discussions with them. I've heard Dave Tippett's name in Buffalo as well. Um, there is some people suggesting Ricard Kronberg out of Sweden, but I, I'll tell you what, for a young team, and obviously with uh, Rasmus Dahlin there, that there's some logic, but I believe that's a bit of a risk. Uh, in the meantime, uh, so those three other names, Martin, Tippett, and Richards, look like a pretty good shortlist to me. What about a guy like Glenn Gullitson, who's under contract in Edmonton? Well, you know, he, Glenn was offered an assistant coach's job in Buffalo uh, when Phil Housley first got the job, uh, or even, sorry, last summer. Last summer, yeah. And he had to, last summer so he had to Glenn was a Glenn was a popular guy as an assistant coach he had offers in St. Louis uh, in the American League he had offers in Buffalo and obviously took the one in Edmonton um, I, I have I, I'll be honest I, I have not heard Glenn's name okay. uh, internally in Buffalo well it's uh, an interesting time uh, I'm going to throw one more at you you mentioned Rasmus Dahlin uh, what percentage is it that Rasmus Ristolainen will be traded out of Buffalo this summer? Well, um, I, I've heard that there's a good chance that it may happen. Uh, at the same time, I mean, I think you have to wait for your coach. Uh, un unless there's something that we don't know that externally about the relationship between uh, Ristolainen and his, and his teammates or something else that's gone on, but if, if you're trying to sell a coach to come to your team, at that point, isn't, isn't Ristolainen an asset you want to deal with? And that's something you want your coach to be able to put a, uh, put a level of interest in. So that, I, I've heard that there's lots of people thinking that he may be gone, but uh, I'd, I'd be a little surprised at that at this point. Final one for you involving Connor McDavid. The uh, Professional Hockey uh, Writers Association, or basically uh, yesterday voted McDavid top three. There are a lot of really good candidates. But yeah, there are. The, the, uh, the PHWA recognizing McDavid as one of the top three. I know that there's been some vocal critics of McDavid being uh, a top three uh, nomination. I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Well, I'm a voter. Uh, I'm one of the few outside members of the uh, outside of the Professional Hockey Writers Association that do get votes on, on those trophies. Uh, and Connor was in my top three. So, I mean, but, uh, I, and, and somebody can say, well, you're biased because you see him play a lot. You're damn right I do. Uh, and, <laughs> he, he, you know, and you know what? He deserves, he deserves every bit of credit to be a Hart Trophy finalist. Uh, I do think Kucherov will win it based on his team's performance and his own personal performance. Uh, but Connor McDavid deserves a lot of attention and credit for what he did for the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, the word I get, you know, like it's almost the reverence the opposition players have for him. Like you'll, you know, you'll sit there and I'll get a text from a former winner that's playing on another team. He's like, "Oh my God, is that guy good?" 
Like it's just, yep. and, you, know, you know, we're going to see that. And, and you know what? We're going to see it with the Lindsay. I don't vote for the Lindsay. That's the, that's the yeah, players. But, he, but he's already been not. Yeah. He's in the final three for the Lindsay as well as you but know, he's in the final three for the Ted Lindsay award. And, uh, you know, dollar to a donut, which you'll probably have to buy. Cause you like donuts like me. Uh, you know, uh, he'll win the Lindsay. So that, that and that speaks volumes to his value and his uh, level of, of respect within the league. John, as always, thank you for your time. We'll hook up next week. Have a good day, Bob. See you later. That's John Chen, and from NHL Hockey and Rogers, Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you at 1254. Um, you can text us at 630-630 on our Heartland 4 text line. Bob, get Mike Babcock to Edmonton now. I'll go get him for you from BH. I, I, Yeah, well, we'll see. Again, you can text us at 630-630. Tweet us. Out of winners now. Well, okay. Somebody has texted me about uh, Notley. I, I, is that for the right show? Nice lady. Uh, 12.55 in Edmonton will tell you that guests and orders now receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Roos Chris, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 99.90 Jasper Avenue. Tell Maggie and the staff that Oilers now sent you. Tomorrow, uh, we're going to have a conversation about an event that's taken place at Roos Chris. More on that uh, coming up on tomorrow's edition of Oilers Now. We'll head off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. When we come back, second hour of the show, Kurt Hill, the GM of the Edmonton Oil Kings, Jay Woodcroft, the head coach of the Bakersfield Condors. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.